my top stock pick for 2023. Happy New Year, everybody, and welcome to the video. I wanna start this year off with a nice, fun, out there video. This is a video I don't do all too often. It's hopefully fun for you guys, the viewers. I think it's entertaining. It's not so fun for me when you look back in a year from now, you know, this, this pick, whatever it may be, either panned out or didn't pan out. If you've been following the channel, you know my pick, my picks from last year, uh, my top two, didn't age all too well. I kind of credit that to poor timing. Uh, personally, you may agree or disagree. Nevertheless, I want to do this. I want to start the year off fun and I hope you guys enjoy. I'm actually curious to hear down in the comment section below, we can get a little game going. What do you, what is your top stock pick for 2023? There's a lot of stocks that are down this year. I am very curious to hear down in the comment section below what your top stock is for 2023. And that's not to say that, you know, we expect this to be the best performer in 2023. That's very much market dependent. If the markets continue to struggle through the course of this year, which is, I'm not saying I think it's going to happen, not saying it's not things happen, but it's a possibility. Well, if the entire market's down, the entire market's down. What I'm indicating with this video today is this is a stock that I believe is a good buy right now. In fact, one of the buys that I, I am actually quite optimistic on, let's go through my research and share that with you guys. As always, of course, do your own research. A lot of you guys may not agree with this stock and that's completely fine. Leave them down in the comment section below to each their own. But let's dive on into it. The stock is Taiwan Semiconductor, tickers TSM. This one trades on the New York Stock Exchange for $75 per share. For those not familiar, this is the largest dedicated chip manufacturer in the world. Taiwan and really Taiwan Semiconductor being the big part of this, they dominate the microchip semiconductor space really globally as of current. I came across a cool chart which has a lot going on, but it just basically talks about how all of these big chip producers, Korea being another big one, but even Japan and China, and then you see the United States making a smaller portion of this, they all do rely on each other. It is truly a global system at the end of the day, but uh, yeah, whatever way you wanna look at it, as of right now, whether it be revenue, whether it be market cap, Taiwan takes the cake. Taiwan is the global leader. They produce so many of these micro trips globally, and Taiwan Semiconductor can be thanked for that. They are massive, massive, massive in this space. Although, of course, based in Taiwan and Asia, one of the big progressions with this company is a huge $40 billion fab that they are developing and building in Arizona. So taking a foothold here in the American market, this is actually the largest foreign investment in US history to date, a $40 billion investment, bringing, you know, bringing their production over here and essentially setting up a plant here on American soil. So yes, primarily dominantly Asian company, but they are starting to move a little bit of the production over here to the States. Well, North America, I'm here in Canada, obviously, as you guys know, but I wanted to go over, uh, you know, the good, the bad. I want this to be kind of an overview, not just like, a, oh, best stock ever, because hey, every stock has their pros and cons. I want to start with some of the risks and I don't know if risk is the right word, but more or less things to be aware about with a company like this. And for number one, I want to start with, the understanding that this is a highly capital intensive is what I'm going to put here. Capital intensive. It is expensive to run and operate a business like this. You take this $40 billion investment that they are placing to open up and start a plant and start production here in the United States, $40 billion. That is not a cheap little sum of money. That's a lot of money. I wouldn't say that this is a, is a 
is a con, like it's a negative. It's just something that we need to be aware about. There are all different types of business models out there. Some that are have very low CapEx, very low uh, expenditures to get the business going, keep the business running. With this, whether it's the, the cost of the machinery, whether it's the cost of a warehouse and a place where you can even produce this stuff, whether it's researching and, and developing these new microchips and constantly staying ahead, there is a high level of costs that comes into it. And that's just the nature of the beast. I would almost argue in a sense that this can also be spun as a positive. It really depends on how you look at it, whether you want to look at positive or, or negative light. On a positive, this almost provides TSM and other companies of this stature almost like a moat. There's almost like a, there's such a high barrier and cost for a new company to come in and compete at the level of these guys. You could look at it like a pro, but you do also have to understand a lot of their cash flow, a lot of the companies cash does go towards costs. You could argue that it puts a bit of a ceiling on how much they can generate over the years. Not really, I wouldn't say that's fair, but I do just wanna point that out. It is an expensive field to be in relative to some other businesses. Take a Google, for example, or take a, you know, a Facebook or Meta that just basically runs ads. Well, that's not a good example because of the uh, metaverse. Nevertheless, you guys get what I'm saying. I'm gonna move on. Point number two here, I'm going to put um, competition. And in particular with this competition, there's a thing going on right now called kind of the chip wars. And in fact, the government here in the, you know, in, in America, in North America, they really want to bring chips production back to America. We are so reliant on other nations, whether it be Taiwan, whether it be China, whether it be Korea. I think America realized that and they're like, holy crap, we got we to gotta, we gotta do something about this. There is a lot of competition and will be continued competition in this field going forward. One of the big questions you'll get right now is like, should I be buying Intel or should I be buying TSM? There's a lot of, there are a lot of good options out there and there will continue to be. And what this can lead to is possible, not possible, actually very probable down the road, margin compression. What I mean by that is as the space grows with uh, competition, there's more demand for whether it be materials, parts, um, they all need to source this stuff at the end of the day, whether it be a pricing power issue. The more competition you have, the more people competing in a single space, this can come to reflect in their margins over the coming years, which is actually a highlight that we're gonna talk about in a second that I do very much like about TSM. I think they boast very, very strong margins as of today. Again, I'm just looking forward, something to possibly consider. Number three, this one goes without saying, but we're gonna talk about political issues, okay? Geopolitical issues, um, we've talked about this loss on the channel. I actually have a lot of thoughts to share on this today, depending on how long I want this video to go. I guess we'll have to see. But these are just a few of the, you know, the cons, the things that I would say to be aware about with this company, as with a lot of companies in Asia, but particularly a company like TSM. Move on to the fun stuff, and let's talk about why I personally like the stock. We're gonna spend more time on here because obviously it's my top stock pick of the year. So let's get into that. And I'm gonna put here uh, tailwinds for the industry. Basically uh, a huge boost or a huge tailwind, if you will, helping out and propping up really the entire space. But the semiconductor industry, as I talked about in that last video that I did, I did a video actually, by the way, um, on semiconductor ETFs, which if you don't like TSM, I'd encourage you to watch that video. In fact, for me personally, I don't own TSM and I'll talk about it towards the end of the video, I may not even buy it, even though it's my top stock pick because of my personal exposure already to Asia. But getting exposure to this field via a ETF can be a very, very logical solution. I did a video comparing uh, three, in my opinion, of the top ones. You guys can go look that up on the channel if you like. But to echo what I talked about in that previous video, 
the semiconductor industry is an industry that really is involved in so many aspects of our modern life, whether that be our smartphones, whether that be our computers, uh, obviously, whether that be EVs, like autonomous driving, whether it be our microwaves or the cameras that you have around your house, if there's a piece of technology that you have, iPads, like you name it, and there's stuff going on in there, there's a very high chance that there are microchip semiconductors involved. There's a few key statistics that I can throw up on the screen that I came across that just show how this market is expected to grow over the coming years. And really, whatever way you look at it, this is a growing market. This particular article is an estimation that the global semiconductor market to reach $1.03 trillion over the next decade or by uh, 2031, excuse me. There is a big demand for this and I believe will continue to go forward. Right now we are seeing a slowdown. If you actually look either at the uh, monthly or quarterly numbers for the global semiconductor market, they have come down and people are obviously a lot worried, very short-sighted in my opinion that, you know, <clears throat> yeah, this market is doomed. Far from it. Uh, in reality, over the past couple of years, the semiconductor market had a, a significant above average boost. And a big cause of that actually was, uh, believe it or not, crypto, right? Crypto, and as crypto was running and rising, what came with that was actually a lot of crypto mining, a lot of demand for chips in general, just to literally meet the demand of crypto mining. I know that sounds silly, but that is a, that was a boost propping it up. Think about even during the pandemic when people were home, at, um, at home and they had nothing to do, the video game space went berserk and people were building their own PCs. They were doing all sorts of stuff. These Nvidia chips that you're trying to get your hands on were completely out of stock and completely you know, overpriced, a lot, a lot of demand. Well, coming down from that boom, we are seeing a little bit of a, of a bust, if you will, a little bit of a cool down, a calm down, a calm down in the space. And I think that is bringing us back down to more normal levels. But over the next decade, I expect this to grow. And I think that's a pretty fair, fair thing to be said about this semiconductor space, which obviously TSM plays in. So I would say this is actually a, a positive. I love to invest in companies where there is that natural tailwind with the industry. Number two, let's talk about this one. Let's put here, Mr. Warren Buffett. Mr. Buffett, the goat himself, in my opinion, the world's greatest investor, someone that I've looked up to and idolized I don't want to say all my life, but for quite some time, I actually get joked around a lot by my friends. They, they say I have like a shrine of, you know, Warren Buffett in my bedroom because I talk about him so much. Well, rightfully so. He's in my eyes, the greatest investor of all time. And why I bring Mr. Buffett up here is obviously we never want to just follow or mimic or copy any investor out there, whether they be the greatest, whether they be a super investor, whether it be your friend or your neighbor. But in case you missed it in the previous quarter, Warren Buffett via Berkshire Hathaway, obviously, they took a $4.1 billion stake into the company we're talking about today, TSM. Up on the screen, I have a clipping from Dataroma, which is one of the sources that we use on the channel here from time to time. It basically shows these super investors, these hedge funds, uh, what they've been buying. And you see they make, you know, from time to time, little additions, but a sizable, a $4.1 billion investment into Taiwan Semiconductor. And... Like I said, I want to talk about this for a moment because to me, this is a extremely telling move. Not so much that, hey, he bought the stock, let's copy him. But when we read between the lines, for those that have followed uh, Warren Buffett for quite some time, he has been known to be not a conservative investor. Conservative is not the right word, but a cautious investor is what I would say. He is a cautious investor. In fact, over his lifetime, 
he actually took a lot of slack during the early tech boom for kind of sitting on the sidelines for kind of missing out. This was credited to the fact, like one of his principles that Warren Buffett lives by and preaches and teaches is that you always need to understand what you own, right? Understand the business, understand the risks. If it doesn't meet your little circle of competence and you don't understand what you're investing in, cross it off your list. It doesn't make the short list. Now, how telling is that, that this guy who is known to miss out on tech, to known to miss out on opportunities, to be kind of a cautious investor, goes out and invests in a country that is under threat of uh, invasion, an Asian country, which uh, many people would consider uninvestable. You actually look beyond this. Mr. Buffett, his business partner, Charlie Munger, another very highly looked up to investor. Some may argue even possibly a better investor than Warren Buffett. But over the past year and a half, we know that Charlie Munger, via the Daily Journal, his company, he has been buying into Alibaba, a Chinese company. Now, how fascinating is that? These two investors known for staying within their comfort zone, they're gonna go without all the uncertainty and all the volatility that we are hearing and we are seeing from this side of the world and put sizable amounts of money, $4.1 billion, not a cheap sum of money, into these nations. That's where I you know, can share some of my personal thoughts on this. And you can feel free to agree, you can strongly feel free to disagree. I, I, I welcome that. This is just one, one person's opinion. I could be so off base. But just to share with you guys my thoughts on this, I have a actually very strong stance over the years that has developed and really cemented this year with everything going on in our world. I have a stance that the media and the narrative that we consume here in the North American world, I don't know if that fairly represents how things are going in many other places of the world. China, of course, being one, actually one of my big theses for investing in China. There are other areas too, I would even argue somewhere like Russia, I know that's crazy to say. But what I'm trying to get at is that this, this, this narrative that we see about these other countries, I think is a little bit... Um, there's a lot that is that is true, but I also feel that it is maybe not painting the, the clearest and fairest picture. I'll give you an example, okay? I actually have a couple of fun examples that I can share as to why I say this. And I, I have a backlog of examples that I've seen over the years, but these are ones that I think would really resonate with maybe some of you guys, ones that you would know. And I'm sure, you know, a couple months back, we all saw this very, very famous um, clip. It was all over the internet, right? Mystery as former Chinese leader, is escorted out of the Communist Party Congress in front of the whole world media. Incredibly awkward moments, and he seemed reluctant to go at the time. It's not clear what the reason for it was, but a lot of people are speculating that it was intended as some sort of message and possibly some sort of power play by President Xi Jinping. You will find many, many clips online talking about and showing this event where this gentleman at the Congress uh, event in China where you know every few years they do this to elect the next uh, president I believe it is you see him kind of getting escorted out against his will and you see President Xi there like oh like you know this big bad um, wolf right the big bad Grinchy wolf right he's just sitting there and you see this and this is all I saw this was all over TikTok all over the internet all over uh, YouTube and a very very troubling piece of article to see well I did a little bit more research and I came across this article. This is a publication with the title that states, China Hue escorted out of CPP Congress due to feeling unwell. Jin Hua. Reports about the former Chinese president Hu have been escorted out of the 
uh, CPP Congress, in a bid to silence him, have been slammed down by China. Uh, reading down here, da 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 da. Many people uh, opposed to Beijing tried to paint this incident as the CPP trying to silence and exclude its opposition. He didn't agree with something with President uh, Xi, but the reports slam the allegations raised against China. Upon feeling unwell during the event, he was led out of the hall to rest, noting, as Jin Haon added, noting that he is doing much better now. Okay, maybe the guy was feeling unwell. Now, hey, I have to be fair, right? This article, you know, I look at this article posted by this source. Is this propaganda? Is this not true? Very, very possible. It's very hard to tell. Like, we don't necessarily know what the truth is, but what this situation indicates to me is we did not hear this side of the story. For anybody that followed that, you can leave a comment down below. I sure as heck didn't see this. Unless you go do the extra digging, you kind of go, go the extra mile to kind of to, to dig deeper. The North American media, what we see does not portray this side whatsoever. If you guys are on TikTok, you will constantly get, um, you know, various TikToks about uh, various things. Here's one up on the screen that I can share with you guys. Very, very similar story. Uh, basically what happened was all these people are rushing out of the building. I believe it was actually the Tencent building. So one of the companies I own, which is maybe why I got the TikTok. But all these people rushing out of the building, like literally running for their lives because they're going to have a COVID lockdown and they're going to, um, you know, trap everybody in and they're going to be stuck away from their families. Well, it turns out this clip was not fabricated, but there was a fire alarm. There was some, uh, you know, event going on where people needed to leave for their own safety and it wasn't necessarily COVID related. But if you just kind of scan the headlines, if you just read what, what narrative, whoever is trying to push, you may think of a very, very different story and it paints a very, very different picture over there. Now, don't get me wrong. Both of these are rooted in legitimate concerns. In China, there are, there are serious lockdowns. Like I have friends that I play basketball with that literally got, one of the guys got locked in a, a restaurant for X amount of days. And even with this guy leaving uh, the, the, the Congress party, stuff like that absolutely can happen. What I'm trying to indicate with these couple of examples is that it's just, where do I go with this? It's very hard to know who to trust. And I'm not saying that I trust the Chinese publications and what the Chinese government is saying, but what I'm trying to tell you is that I also don't trust what our government is saying. And one of the things that I do trust, and this is just a belief that I have, like you have all these people saying such and such things and pushing such and such agendas. One thing that we can do as investors is, is follow the money, right? A $4.1 billion investment or Charlie Munger's investment. The money in a sense speaks for itself. And you see these two high profile, prolific investors that are highly looked up to investing in this market. It doesn't make me drop the concerns of what's going to happen, but it makes me feel a lot more comfortable. I don't know if that's the right word, but very different than what, what the story is told here. I'll give you one final example before I move on, because I know we're spending a lot of time here, but um, I just... Uh, I just got back from Taiwan, okay? So my, my wife, my family, my father, my in-laws are from Taipei. They're from Taiwan. Actually, my father-in-law lives there and I was there just uh, for Christmas. It was an awesome, awesome time. It's actually one of my favorite places in the world. I could really see myself living there uh, at some point for maybe a couple years if life, if that happens. And I was there before COVID and I've been to Shanghai. I've been to these areas and every time I'm on like on their soil in boots in the ground, I just see a very different picture of, of what it is um, painted. You know, I see actually a country that has a lot of different values than us, absolutely, a different culture than us. It is not the American culture, and I don't ex ever expect it to be. It is a completely different nation. The example I was gonna give was, I basically talked to my uh, father-in-law, and I legitimately asked him this one month ago. I said, like, Barry, like, tell it to be straight. 
am I safe being here? Like, you know, I'm reading all this stuff about the invasion and then China's going to be rolled in here. Like I legitimately asked him, I said, like, is it safe to be here right now? And he kind of chuckled under his breath and we were driving in the car. We're driving by Taipei 101, like this beautiful um, area, shopping, booming with, with, uh, with commerce, everything. And I, he kind of chuckled. He literally said, look around. Does it feel unsafe? Does it feel like we're under attack? And I looked around. I see these people walking on the street. I see like women, like it's such a safe place for them to be. It's um, very little crime, like very little homeless. It's very different than, than what we have like in our downtown Vancouver. And he basically gave me this intention that, the, the, he gave me the, the notion that maybe it's a little bit over overblown. I then proceeded to ask him and I had brought up a screenshot here on, you know, I'll put up a screenshot for you guys. I literally searched in like China, Taiwan um, military or China, Taiwan uh, invasion. If you do that on Google, you are gonna be bombarded with a variety of literally within the week. China launches military drills around Taiwan after US passes. China stages strike drills around Taiwan, setting provocation. China holds military drills around Taiwan and uh, Taiwan extends compulsory military service amid growing tensions, I believe this is going to say. But I asked him, I said, what about all these articles that I read, Barry, that there's a plane flying in this, you know, or there's boats moving into this neutral territory, or they're kind of surrounding the, the, the country doing all these tests in preparation for, for an invasion. And this is somebody who literally lives there, who literally has this Taiwanese uh, culture, culture, culture and heritage. And he really gave me the, the feeling that a lot of it is very potentially overblown. Now, to be clear, he did say that as a Taiwanese citizen, it's widely understood that sooner or later, the invasion from China is a legitimate possibility. Like it is, it, it's, he almost went to, I, and I'm just speaking, I shouldn't be, you know, rephrasing him, but this is just what I got out of it. He thinks it is inevitable with time. There will be like, if you look at Taiwan and you look at China, he basically said like Taiwan is basically part of China, whether you want to look at it that way. I know people don't like looking at it that way, but he said, look at it, look at the map. Taiwan is China, part of China, part of the mainland really at the end of the day. Taiwan without a doubt represents a very attractive asset for China, specifically for this reason, specifically for what we're talking about today. Like if you ask why they would even care to invade, reality is it's because the semiconductor industry is a global powerhouse and China finds that attractive, but it's far from people bunkering up in their homes and it's far from people you know, stashing a bunch of water and stuff in there. Maybe what, at least what I think it, what I feel it would look like from an American or from a North American looking over there. That's kind of what it seems like with the with the media. Um, it's far from it. And although an invasion would come, he says that, and again, some Chinese people, some Taiwanese people, I, I'd assume, think very differently. This is not, I can't speak for everybody, but it's like, they're just living life. They're just enjoying life. It's happy. Sooner or later it may happen, but it's not as urgent and as pressing as, the media makes it out to be. And again, to wrap up this whole talk, when I see great investors who certainly have more insight than someone like myself, these people have connections, they have ties with politics, they have ties with government, they, 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 they know and will always know more than what we do. And we see them going out and buying these investments because they feel that they're undervalued and clearly they've weighed the risk and reward and think that it's worth putting their hard-earned capital and their investors' capital into these nations, that to me, if you read between the lines, does does tell a lot, okay? So, hey, like I said, that's just my opinion. I'd love to hear what you guys think down below. Uh, in all honesty, like I said, these are thoughts that I've had over the past number of years, but especially over the, the, the year, the past year with how COVID was handled, with the Twitter files, if you guys are following and you kind of see 
uh, like I said, my dad calls me a conspiracy theorist, but hey, I just think uh, I may be more, more aware, but fine line to tread, I guess. You can leave your comments uh, down below. Nevertheless, let's move on into point number three, uh, why I like the stock, and this is obviously critical. I believe probably the most important. Let's look at the financials slash fundamentals. At the end of the day, these things are all great, but this is what we need to look at the financials of the company. And I think these charts will speak for themselves. This is of course looking at Taiwan Semiconductor in particular, actually using a, the stock unlock here, which is Daniel Pronk's, um, another YouTuber buddy of mine uh, in the Canadian scene, actually a really cool service. He always calls it stock unlock. He says it really funny, but uh, these are stock unlock. We're looking at revenue in Taiwan dollars. You're looking at 613 billion new Taiwan dollars, NTT in the quarter. We'll flip this over to uh, income. They also boast extremely uh, healthy net income or earnings. This is 166 billion NTD. We do have a US dollar chart coming up soon. One thing that I talked about that I think is a positive, and this is why I said this could be a potential, you know, concern with time is margins. Very, very healthy margins, both on a gross level, sitting at about 53%, 53% gross margins on an expensive business like this. Net margins still coming in in between that 37 to 40% range. This to me is a very, very stellar place to be. Of course, that was looking back and, and, and this drop that we're seeing now, investing is always forward looking. I think a valuable chart to look at is one here, which talks about the growth going forward. What is the expected earnings growth? What is the expected revenue growth? This one is from uh, Simply Wall Street, FYI. But uh, yeah, whether we're looking at earnings or, uh, or revenue, excuse me, Revenue expected to grow by 11%, which absolutely outpaces the market. That's feeding the Taiwanese market, absolutely outpacing the industry. Earnings, on the other hand, looking to grow at 6.5%. So modest. They're not like a high growth company, but steady, steady expected growth over the coming years. This company from a fu fundamental level is functioning very, very well. This is an opportunity in my opinion. You know, you don't get crazy amounts of opportunity like this where you have the share price coming down. Right? We see a 50% drop, yet the, the fundamentals are steadily and steadily growing. We see the divergence here, right? I have a couple arrows to share with you there, basically showing the trajectory, the trend, business getting better, very strong tailwinds in my opinion, very promising stuff with a Warren Buffett investment uh, and let's say super investors, you know, possibly downplaying the political issues. Not eliminating them, to be clear, and hey, they're very much there, but just something that, that is to be considered. Yet you have the share price going the opposite direction. You have this divergence, and to me, this is where the opportunities come as an investor. If you can look past the short-term fear and the short-term um, catalysts that are driving the stock down, one thing that I always think remains true is the fundamentals. Now, with Asian stocks, this being included, you do have this worry, like it is a worry that maybe these fundamentals never come to fruition in the, in, in the share price. If this narrative that I talk about is correct, and let's just say it is for a hypothetical case that um, you know, the, the governments and the uh, media here is purposely kind of not showing light to other competitive nations that they maybe fear or that they think may overtake them. If, as long as that stays and we don't get investors buy into this, that, that could keep the stock down. And that's like a legitimate concern with these stocks. But I do believe that over time as an investor, the fundamentals do shine through. There's this one quote uh, by Benjamin Graham, which I'll put up on the screen. And I'm sure we've all heard this before. In the short run, the market is a voting machine, but in the long run, long run it is a, a weighing machine. And 
I can wrap up and summarize with this because to bring it back to what I said at the very beginning of the video, I said I don't expect this stock to be the best performer in 2023. And especially with what's going on in Ukraine and Russia and all this news, like anytime there's news about any type of dictatorship uh, nation, North Korea, that actually, like if you follow the markets, that, that impacts these over the short term. Like it really, really does. Over the short term, uh, and short term for me being like a year, a week, a month, all sorts of volatility and uncertainty can be, is at play. But when we talk about a, a weighing machine, we look at the fundamentals. I do believe that over the next 10 years, when we look back, this will be reflected in the share price. I think that we are paying a good price for a good company today. Like I said, this trade that's $75 USD, 74.49 USD, which is down about 50% off highs. To me, this is really one of my, like I said, for many reasons and for my risk appetite, this is a stock that makes my, my, my short list today. And with that, I mean, like I said, I don't like to, you know, make these picks and call outs all too often. Yeah, that's important. My stock pick for 2023. This is just some, a, a stock that would work very, very well for me. However, I may not buy the stock just because of my, um, I have to be responsible as an investor and I already own, you know, personally, 10 cent, which again, I'm hopeful for, Baba, which again, I'm hopeful for, and the company called Add to Sports, A-N-P-D-Y. So amongst my portfolio, which I know a lot of you guys are following me over on Blossom, for an example, you can see, you know, I own a, a sizable position. This is my belief second largest position. And as much as I want to be in this year, and I, and I do firmly believe everything that I said today, as a responsible DIY investor, I still have my limits. I still have these ceilings that I put into each respective area, definitely into each respective ge geography, um, especially one that comes with all the risks here in Asia. So it may not be a stock that I buy, but it is one that I really wish I could. And if I could start my portfolio from scratch, certainly would be on my, my little short list here of stocks. I'm gonna wrap it up there, guys. I hope you enjoyed my, my thoughts and my research. And like I said, leave a comment down below whether you agree or disagree, either with the stock pick, but hopefully more or less with the research. You know, um, with my, my, the reasoning that goes in behind why I think a stock like this is good. Hopefully I talked about the, the bad. Hopefully I talked about something that I think is promising and then you go out and make your decision for yourself. I am very genuinely curious, down in the comments, what is your top stock pick for 2023? I know there's gonna be a lot of Teslas down there. I know for a fact. I think guys, I'm, I just woke up, or just woke up, this, I'm feeling this early morning today. But um, yeah, Tesla was down another, geez, I think it was 10% today. They missed, uh, they had big delivery numbers, but they did, uh, they did come a little bit below expectations. I think shares are down 10% as I'm filming this video today. But nevertheless, go ahead and uh, leave that down below. If you enjoyed, give this video a big thumbs up. Make sure you are subscribed if you guys want more stock content like this uh, and investing content in general. And last but not least, as always, check out the Investing Academy. If you want to learn like, you know, the different research sources I use, uh, not, th not even that, that's more, I would say, intermediate. But if you're like a first-time investor and you're like 2023, I got to get this stuff done right. Maybe you had a couple of bad years or maybe you're just brand new and you've just been following the channel and you want to do it right in terms of building a portfolio, in terms of DIY investing, finding the right companies or ETFs for you. Maybe you don't even do stocks. Maybe you're an ETF investor, but you want to know the right ones and how to you know, structure a portfolio property properly, click that first link down below to check out the Investing Academy. That is our training program. We work with people all over the country, all shapes and sizes, old, young, uh, lots of money, not a lot of money. 
everybody welcome. Everybody can invest. They have to find their own strategy. And through our training program, we will literally teach you everything you need to know to be a successful investor, to be able to stand up on your own two feet in the modern day. To me, that makes so much sense rather than going out and paying a bunch of um, mutual fund fees or you know working with an advisor. I like advisors uh, if you got a good one, but if you got an advisor that you don't hear from and they're just sitting on your money, learn to do it yourself in the modern day. 2023, it makes a ton of sense. That is that first link down below. We'd love for you to check that out. But as always, I thank you for watching. I hope you enjoyed, and I'll see you in the next video.